Well, hey, it's great to be back. Uh, Steve and I were talking. It's been like two years since since we've been here. It's hard to, hard to believe. Um, Shelly and I have been all the way into to Florida and back, and uh, one one mission after the next. And uh, I don't think I've been here since um, I wrote my last book. I got copies of my last book, uh, Wisdom Filled Warriors, back there. If you're interested, but. Uh, you know, we, we have a lot to we we have a lot to share with our families. We were talking with Steve and Tabby at dinner, and uh, we'd be glad to catch up with everybody. Um, but I want to jump into, I think, what the Lord wants to do. Amen. You guys ready? Um, how many of you um, have found your scroll? You know what the Lord has written about you. Do you think you're that important that he wrote something about you? Come on, man. He wrote a, he, it, it says that uh, you were predestined, right? It says that he, he had you um, identified before the foundation of the earth. He actually wrote you into the story. And so there's this, there's this big book. There's this big vision. But then there's your vision. Have you found your vision? Are you living out of your vision? Right? And so... Um, you know, the throne room's an awesome place to spend your time. Amen. And, uh, um, I want to, I want to pick up in, uh, Revelation 5 where, uh, you know, John is engaged with the Spirit of God, right? He gets an invitation. Literally, the Spirit of God comes and says, Hey, come up here, buddy. Come up here, right? Spirit of God call you up there lately? <laughs> Anybody get called up? Come on, man. We should have stories. We should we should have uh, we should have books that, that are unveiled. Right. And um, it's in those encounters that your story, it first has to be told to you. So then he does it through you. Right. Amen. You can't you can't actually function in your supernatural call till he shows you what you are. And that's a personal relationship. There's 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 evidence of the relationship. And that is you doing something that's beyond your ability Right beyond anything you could do on your own, but in a partnership with the with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, you actually are birthing something that didn't exist before. You're conquering something that couldn't be conquered without the living God present in your life. Because if you're not conquering something that's impossible, you're actually in a re- in religion. Anybody can check the box on Sunday, but what are you and the Holy Spirit doing together? Right. And so I want to talk to you about your scroll, because John was called up for a personal conversation with the Lord because the Lord wanted to reveal to John an aspect of the scroll. And, and there's there's a scroll that's the big picture, right? The whole world. There's a scroll that's the revealing of what John saw in the book of Revelation. Right. There, there's a picture that the Lord wanted to reveal. But inside of that you have to realize that there's a scroll that the Lord has to unseal for you, okay? And we'll get into that here in a little deeper in a minute. But in Revelation chapter 5, we pick up with 
John in this encounter. He's, he's in the throne room. And I saw on the right hand of him who sat on the throne a scroll written inside and on the back sealed with seven seals. Then I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, who is worthy to open the scroll and to loose its seals? And no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll or to look at it. So I wept much because no one was found worthy to open and read the scroll or to look at it. But one of the elders said to me, do not weep. Behold, the line of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has prevailed to open the scroll. Amen. And, and the Lord began to unveil the meaning of things. He began to unveil to John, um, right, the seven trumpets, the seven bulls, all the, all the aspects that he wanted to unveil to John. And that was part of John's story. That was part of John's call. John was called to reveal details of the supernatural, right? Details of the army of heaven, Christ coming out of heaven on a white horse, right? That, that the demonic, that Satan wasn't going to be the victor, that the victor were those who were following Christ on their horse, on the, on the white horse, right? Doing the supernatural things, right? And so the story is not doom and gloom like religious people tell you. Oh, I hope I'm not here when, I hope I'm pre-trib. I hope I'm mid, I hope at least I'm mid-trib. Come on, man. I hope I'm in the middle of it. Come on, if, if the Lord would find you faithful, worthy enough to be in the middle of it. I have, I have dreams of being one of those Revelation 11, 11 guys. You know what that is? Revelation 11, 11, that's the two witnesses. Can you picture the two witnesses, right? Standing against the powers of darkness. Right? Just like the supernatural ones. Literally calling down heaven. Releasing judgment that is so profound that literally death actually, that the, the Lord has to permit them to be killed. Right? Because they are so in the will of God. They are like, do you want to be those guys? Anybody, anybody got guts enough to be one of those guys? Amen. <laughs> so your perspective is important that you shouldn't want to be taken out of this world till your story is unfolded, till you have completed your vision, right? Your assignment. Say this with me. Say, Holy Ghost, Holy Ghost. Reveal, to me reveal to me tonight my assignment. And anything that I let fall to the ground, pick it back up tonight. Cause me to burn in a way that I won't be bound by religion, that I won't be bound by fear. You are the seal opener. Open my seals, Lord, and send me. Amen. And so the story of, of this picture is do not weep, do not be fearful, do not be afraid for the one who has risen, who can open all the seals, who is without limit, right? The one who holds all keys, life and death. He holds all power, right? He holds every key, not just life, but he holds the keys of death. So there is nothing that Christ doesn't have power and authority over. He conquered death, right? He rose out of death. Amen. And so he prevailed. And so this concept flows out of the one who holds all the keys. It flows out of the one who has the power to open the seals. Right. Can you open your own seals? Can you be a good enough Christian and study enough 
Bible to write your own story. You can't write your own story. Right? You can't write it. You have to discover it, which requires a relationship. It requires you out. You actually have to be in his presence. You actually have to live in a place of what's next. What's next? What's next? Right? Unveil what is next. And that unveiling process is the, is the process. It's, it's the relational dynamic of following. Right? You, you weren't born again to come to church on Sunday. You were born again to live a supernatural life that nobody else could live because you hear him and you believe what he spoke directly to you. There are things that, that, are, that are, have the Lord speaks to you individually that there's people in here looking for affirmation from the people around them or even leaders or even their pastors. But there's faith that only you can step into because you had the vision. Because the scroll was unveiled to you. Okay? And at the end of the day, the unveiling of, of the hidden things is, is, is the, the point of the scroll. Okay? There's a scroll written about you. Okay? And, and here's the difference between the old and the new. The old covenant and the new covenant. In the old covenant, right, the Lord gives them ten commandments that they couldn't achieve. Right? Not, there's not one person on earth that could achieve it. That's why you needed Christ. Right? Jesus is the only one that conquered the ten. Right? Right? The only one. So can you crucify yourself enough to get to the opening of your scroll? You can't. And so the old, the old, the, the ten commandments actually are supposed to be a revelation that you cry out for the Holy One. You cry out for the one who offers you to come into his throne room, right? To dwell in his presence and to let him unveil your story. Okay? You get that picture? Does it make sense? Because at the end of the day, um, you know, he, he actually says, I am the one who will do it. You, you have to fall on your face realizing that you can't achieve it because if you think you can achieve it, then you missed it. You're in a religious mindset, right? The book of Hebrews actually says as you get the revelation of the high priest who comes to speak to you, right, to pull you up, to pull you close, not to keep you away, but to pull you close, he actually says, I'm giving you the revelation. I am the one who does it, right? Right? So this relational dynamic of, of you with the supernatural one is, is actually the foundation of you becoming supernatural, right? You don't live a possible life. You live an impossible life. Amen? And so just let me read this scripture here real quick because uh, in Ezekiel 36, verse 25, he says this. He says, I will uh, sprinkle clean water on you and you shall be clean. I will cleanse you. I, I will cleanse you. You from all your filthiness and from your idols. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I will take your heart of stone out and uh, of your flesh and give you a heart um, uh, of flesh. I will put my spirit in you. I, the Lord says, I will do it. I will do it. I will do it. I will do it. And so the religious guy, I have to tell you, you're wasting your time if you're trying to achieve a position, if you're trying to achieve an, a, 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 an acceptance, if you're trying to achieve looking a part. 
And so this trust process, the Lord is revealing when you fall on your face and you hear me and you begin to connect to what my view of your life is, I am the one who does it, right? I am the one who does it. Lord, I don't know how I'm going to do this. It takes $20,000 to do this mission, and I only have 5000 But the Lord says, I am the one who did it. I gave you the vision. I'll do it, right? Anybody in a, in a, in a situation right now that's pretty much impossible, right? Do you, you ever get the revelation, you can't do it? And it's like, I, I literally can't. And you, and you let release it to the Lord, and you say, All right, Lord, you said you will do it. You will give your spirit. You will remove my heart of stone. You will give me power. You are the one, Lord. You. And that's, that is what worship really is. You're not actually trying to conform to a, to, to ten commandments that you couldn't achieve. You're actually becoming a worshiper of God by trusting and believing Him in every situation in your life. Amen? Are you there yet? (laughs) Are you there yet? He says, I will put my spirit, my wind, my oil, my fire, my ability. I will give you that, right? I will put it within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and you um, will keep my judgments and do them. This is an interesting um, set of words here because a religious guy is going to look at these words and say well he says these things like statutes judgments and do them right what do you, what do you think of when you hear statutes judgments and do them that means the religious guy is going to say well there's the ten commandments i have to do every one of these ten commandments And that's not what that means. I'm going to go through some words here with you. He says, I will cause you to walk in my statutes. I will do something in you that you couldn't do on your own. Okay? He says, um, the the word keep, he he says, I will cause you to keep my judgments. The word keep there is the word faith. It's actually ability. It's actually imputed. It's actually um, an impartation of ability and power that you didn't have. The word statutes there is actually, it means visions and destiny. I will put my vision in you and impart something to you that nobody else around you is going to believe. But when I impart it to you, I am giving you power. I am giving you something that only I can give you. You can't work hard enough. You can't achieve hard enough. You can't check the box on Sunday morning attendance. Any, any of it, it doesn't, it's not, it doesn't match Jesus actually imparting an ability to a man. I will put my vision in you. I will do it. Right? And the word judgments there is is actually the execution of the vision, the ability to make the vision happen. And this is what this means. If, if, If you have a vision, the Lord is giving you a vision that is like, oh my gosh, I'm supposed to go to this city, or oh my gosh, I'm supposed to go start this men's group, or I'm supposed to go start this children's thing, right? He's actually saying that when you step into the vision and you start to execute trusting my vision, guess what? You are judging the world around you. My vision is actually, you're not limited by the world. 
you're empowered by my vision so I am actually judging the world and moving everything that's in the way I will move it out of the way so that my vision will judge you get the picture you should be the most dominant judges on the earth wait a minute the Bible says judge not lest thee be judged right that's a completely different context that's about treatment of people okay Jesus actually said in Revelation 19, it says he comes out of heaven on a white horse. He says he judges and makes war. And so the point of living on the revelation side of the kingdom and the power of the Holy Spirit is that you are in Christ born to judge the darkness around you. Amen. Amen. And so say this with me. Say, Holy Ghost, Holy Ghost. quicken in me quicken the, me. Visions the visions that I've let on the doorstep that I've put on the shelf. Come on, Lord, quicken in me the vision you put in me to judge my surroundings. In Jesus' name. You see, the power to judge is connected to a relationship. And whenever you believe what he has revealed to you, and you step into the power that the Lord is giving you, you're actually beginning to walk your path. You're beginning to follow Christ on your path, right? Everybody in here has a path. Everybody in here has a purpose that's unique. Everybody in here has an assignment that has to work through a discovery process. It works through a relationship, right? Because it's very simple. The Lord said, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. You will dream my dream and see my vision. And you will what? Prophesy. The prophesy part is actually you believing what he showed you in vision and it starts to come out of your mouth, which is the beginning of the path of you stepping into a supernatural call in your life. Amen? Amen? Amen. Then you shall dwell in the land that I give you, that I've given to your fathers, and you shall be my people and I will be your God. There is a promised land and it's connected to you walking out your vision. All right. Jesus had to be led to the crucifixion. Jesus didn't wake up one day and said, yep, I'm going to get crucified today. What if he what if he just said on on day eight of the birthing of his ministry, he goes to the to the, to the river Jordan, he gets baptized in the Holy Ghost. And on day eight, he goes, yep, I'm bypassing three years. I'm choosing to go to the cross today. No, that's not how it worked. He actually followed the Holy Spirit. He followed the Holy Spirit to the man chained to the tombs. He followed the Holy Spirit to feed the 5,000. He followed the Holy Spirit to the woman at the well. He followed the Holy Spirit. And when it was time, he went to the cross, trusting that the Holy Spirit was going to raise him up. Right? It was the Lord's time. It was his vision. Right? What are we doing this week, Lord? What are we doing today? What's going on and what am I planning for in six months? What is the vision? Amen? You guys okay? You guys okay? You good? You see, so, so what is the scroll? The scroll is not simply a book, okay? The, 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 the scroll is not simply the Bible. God is so much bigger than that Bible. That Bible is a documentation of certain people's relational connection with the Lord. And it all lines up. There's all the prophecies in there. The story of Christ is in there, right? But is that the whole story? 
No, no. Every one of you have a story. Is John more important than you? Is Ezekiel more, more important than you? No, that's a big deal. You may be laughing, but it's a big deal because most of you sit in a pew thinking, who, who am I? What am I supposed to do? Well, I'm not that, I'm not that important. You are what he shows you in vision. Okay, you are what he shows you in vision. So stop thinking of yourself as some small thing. Amen. Tell your neighbor, you're not, you're not as small as you think you are. Come on, tell him you're not as small as you think you are. The Lord said you're pretty big. Come on, man, tell him you're a giant killer. My God, what would David, what would have happened if David would have said, yeah, I'm just a boy. Yeah, I'm just a boy. Huh? I'm just a boy. You're not just a boy. You're not, I don't care what you've done. I don't care if you were, you know, the, the kindergarten teacher, the, the maintenance guy, whatever. When the Lord calls a man, he gives him vision. And when he gives him vision, he starts to build and release a person into who and what they are. And it all hinges on you saying, yes, Lord. Amen. Right? Whatever you show me, Lord. Yes, Lord. Amen? And so this, uh, the opening of the scroll, how do you open the scroll? Right? The seals. There's these seals on the scroll, right? There's seven. Seven's the number of perfection, okay? And, and uh, the king, it says the king wore a ring and had a signet. It had a signet mark in it, right? And that signet mark um, is what actually sealed it closed. So if the king is the one who has it sealed closed, isn't the king also the one that has the power to open the scroll, right? So, yeah, so the, so the king has this ability to open your scroll, right? And, and uh, Ecclesiastes says it like this, Ecclesiastes 3.11, he says, He has made everything beautiful in its time. Also, he has put eternity in your hearts. Eternity, your assignment, eternity is locked in inside of you. Right? Who's inside of you when you receive Christ? Christ, your king, has the ability inside you to open the real you up. Right? To, to literally unveil who you really are. I don't care what you did five years ago or 10 years ago. I don't care what you are today. What has he shown you in the last, last 12 months? Where is he taking you next? It's not bigger than you, okay? The dream is not bigger than you. If he showed you the dream, that's you. You, you get in the picture, if he showed you the dream, if he gave you the vision, if five people came up and prophesied to you the same message, guess what? That's you. So do not think of yourself as some small thing that doesn't have ability, that's not important. You're all important. He didn't say, I'm only going to talk to these certain types of people. He said, I'm going to talk to all of you. He said, I will pour out my spirit upon who? All flesh, right? Romans eight twenty nine. For whom he foreknew, he predestined to be to be conformed to the image of his son. What was the image of Christ? 
It says that Christ only did what he saw his father doing. John 5, 19, right? I only do what I see my father doing. And oh my God, the Pharisees, the religious guys hated his guts because he walked as a bad man. He was the baddest man on the planet. A bad, he was the baddest dude. You know why? Because he went into prayer. He got the father's vision and he walked out and he said, 5,000 today, the woman at the well tomorrow, the man chained to the tombs. And he went and he did supernatural things because he had vision. Amen. There's nobody, there's no blind men in here, are there? <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm saying that tongue in cheek facetiously because if you're blind now, you're not going to be blind by the time we leave here tonight. Amen. Everybody was called by the Lord to get baptized in the Holy Spirit, to be awakened. That's what being born again is, that you are in relationship with the supernatural one and that you have wisdom, you have ability because you walk in his vision. Right. A man that has vision is never going to be in a defeated place. Never, ever. You may take a few shots. You may get knocked down. You may have everything stripped from you. But there will be a point where that vision kicks in and what the Lord says will come to pass. Amen? Yes. It says he's for you and not against you. Amen? It says he's for you and not against you. So here's the deal. What happens when you have uh, what happens when you have the water, the fire, the oil? What happens? <laughs> Those are all symbols of the Holy Spirit, right? The man, the woman who has the water, the fire, the oil, that has the supernatural power from heaven. Amen. So there's a story in John chapter four about the woman at the well, right? Jesus was supposed to go to Galilee. He was supposed to do specific things in Galilee. But he comes out of prayer and he says, I have to go through Samaria, which was out and around to get to the place that he had to go because there was an important encounter he had with one woman. One. One. The Father gave Jesus an assignment to go speak to one. Amen? One. Are you important? Yes. Are you important? Yes. In the eyes of the Lord, are you important? Yes. You are important, church. Don't let anybody ever tell you you're not important. Every one of you hearing him and following him in relationship is absolutely important. Okay? It's important. And if you are not in his vision for your life, we got to get you there. Okay? We have to get you there. Because the dynamic of church is not meant that everybody come and hear what Steve and Tabby have to tell them. It's actually everybody in their part, everybody hearing the Lord in their own vision, actually being empowered together and you share resources and suddenly there's five people now attached to your vision because an apostolic call with Stephen Tabby is connecting people and empowering people and there's people feeding into each other's visions. 
Church isn't about one guy standing in a pulpit with a vision and you have to serve my vision. And a lot of you have come out of those places where it's like, yeah, you have to mop. I need 20 people to mop. I need 20 people to do chairs. I need all these people. And don't get me wrong, that's important. But the more important apostolic thing is that every one of you are connected in helping each other achieve their vision. Achieving your vision at all cost. Hey, Lord. Yeah, you told me to uh, go to India, but I'm only one guy. I need about 20 more. Hey, Steve, you got any ideas about helping me with 20 guys going to India? Come on, man. How's it supposed to work? Huh? What do you think the apostolic anointing is for? To come sing Kumbaya on Sunday? No, you're supposed to be raising the dead, healing the sick, casting out demons and baptizing people in the Holy Ghost because you are in your vision in the right place at the right time with the right message for the right people. Let me say that again. You are in your vision being in the right place at the right time with the right message for the right people because you said yes realizing the importance of the Lord speaking into your life and you obeying his voice and all of a sudden resources are being shared so that every one of you are achieving your vision. What's the Lord speaking to you about? What's the Lord speaking to you about? Hey, Steve, we got we to gotta meet Monday night because we're helping uh, Mary, and we got to meet on Tuesday night because we got to figure out how Jason is going to go to the prison with about five guys. And then we, are you, are you catching my drift? Right? Who has brought a vision to Steve and Tabby in the last six months and said, this is what the Lord is speaking to me about, and this is what I believe we're supposed to be going to do? Come on, man, where are the visions? Come on, you, you weren't born again to come sit in a chair. <laughs> Man, intercession should be like popcorn. Steve, I think we should do this. Steve, Steve, Tabby, I think we should go here. I think we should go walk around the serpent mounds. Amen. Been there, done that, right? Say this with me. Say, Holy Ghost, Holy Ghost. give me vision, vision. that will, will awaken this church and take it to the next level, the next level. In, the in the apostolic call that's upon this house. That's upon this house. Let, the Let the resources be shared, be shared. that the vision you put in the hearts of men, hearts of men. would grow this house, house. being supernatural in every direction. In Jesus' name, amen. You see, Jesus had to go through Samaria to speak to one. And John, uh, in John, yeah, John 4.13, um, Jesus, Jesus has this encounter, right? He, has this en he meets the woman at the well. And he gets to the point where the woman at the well starts asking him questions back. And it says, uh, Jesus answered her. And said to her, whoever drinks of this water will thirst again. But whoever drinks of this water, he's talking about spiritual water. He's talking about drinking from the Holy Spirit. He says that I shall give him will never thirst. Is there any thirsty people in here? 
Is that a good answer or a bad answer? That's, a, that's kind of a double-edged sword because, because if you're thirsting after him and he's fueling you with living water and he's dumping visions in you and you're going to this city and then you're going to this city and then you're going to down the street and, and doing all these different things because the Lord gave you vision and you're being connected with people, you're kind of getting tired out, right? It's like, oh, I can't keep doing this anymore. I'm tired. I need a break, Lord. But then he gives you more vision. <laughs> you lay on your face and you start crying out, Lord, just fill me, please. Just give me a break. And all of a sudden he gives you more vision. And he's like, get up, son. We got more work to do. Amen. You see, living water is contagious. Once you start drinking it and, and it fuels you, it's like you can't stop drinking it. You have to go. You have to give it away. You have to find the, the people and the assignment to release what the Lord has given you. And so you go back and you get refueled. And this water, this water cycle, it literally, it just keeps fueling you. And suddenly you're not living by natural means. You're truly drinking living water. Because the more you drink, the more he gives you to give away. Amen? Anybody thirsty? <laughs> Come on, Lord. Just release your living water in here today. Lord, it said, you said, Lord... That um, whoever drinks of this water will never thirst. Amen. But he goes on, he says, but the water that I shall give him will become a fountain of water springing up to everlasting life. And the woman said to him, sir, I give, uh, give me this water. Give me this spiritual water that I may not thirst nor come here to draw. And so Jesus has this word of knowledge, right? He, he says these words to her. He talks about her husbands. And she's like, how do you know I have five husbands? Right? So Jesus, by word of knowledge, is identifying her cycle, her death cycle. She's drinking. She's going to the well every day to pull water out of the well. And Jesus is using an analogy that I've got living water. And all you do is go from husband to husband to husband. Coming back to this well to get water to drink, thinking that you're living, and I'm, I'm giving you an opportunity to give you spiritual life, right? And what's the next thing that happens? It says, it says that as Jesus unseals her, right? Jesus is actually breaking the seals off of this woman. She's in this broken cycle. And she, she's going back and pulling water every day, going from husband to husband to husband. And Jesus literally rips the seals off of her, breaking her free from this um, broken thing that has contained her, right? He pulls her out. He pulls the real woman into the well out because no longer is she going to take water out of the well, right? It says that she literally dropped her water pot. She literally dropped the natural thing and she, she ran because she was drinking what the Lord was saying to her. She was drinking the living water. Amen? And so this living water becomes a big deal. You see, you can, you can work for Desani, but never drink the water. You can work for a water company and never really get the real living water to drink. You can come to church on Sunday and never really drink the living water. Come on, church. You, you can actually keep coming 
It feels good. Even, I mean, worship's amazing. Worship is, is, is amazing, right? But are you drinking his water? Are you drinking the king's water that he said that will cause you to literally become supernatural? And it all is connected to dropping the water pot. You see, the water is a big deal because here's the way prophecy works. Okay, here's the way visions and dreams work. The Lord drops a vision in your heart. He'll give you a series. He'll give you a a theme of multiple dreams, multiple visions. He'll have people coming up to you and confirming you're supposed to do this. You're, you're going to do this. I don't, the Lord, I don't know what this means, but the Lord says he's putting a red coat on you and boom, boom, boom. And it confirms with visions and dreams of this theme that the Lord is talking to you about. Okay. Guess what happens next? Does it get easier? Does it get hard? You see, they, they were taken out of Egypt through a desert. They weren't just dropped into promise. They were given vision in the middle of a prison, in the middle of slavery. And then they were taken through the desert. Why? Because that's the way the Lord works. He promises that water will birth forth out of what? The wilderness. The desert shall birth forth living water. Right? There will be fountains that come up out of the desert. That's not possible. But if you believe... If you drop the water pot, if you literally leave everything back in slavery and say, I'm following you and I know this desert's going to lead me to promise. I don't care how long it takes. I believe what you said. Can you picture the nation of Israel? All, they had to believe what he said. And then they, they take, the Lord takes them to fight a battle. He takes them to get bit by serpents. He takes them through the dryness. They have to tap on rocks just to get something to drink. Right? All along to test your heart to see if you really believe the prophecy, if you believe the vision. And out of the desert, I mean, this is like if you read the book of Isaiah, the whole book of Isaiah is about birthing out of nothing. Right? Out of, out of nothing, out of the wilderness, out of the dry, barren land, from the thorns and the thistles, I will produce life. And that's the, that's the essence of you holding on to his vision and beginning to act in his vision. Amen. Rather than just sitting still and going through the mundane routine. Bible says people perish for lack of what? Vision. Right? Without vision, people perish. Right? Do you have vision? You got to have vision. You got to be releasing water. Right? And water, water is the, the living water is the essence of you. Right? It's the essence of you testifying what you drink. Because if the Lord leads you to, to go to, to pray for a, for a deaf man, right? Or to pray for a person that is depressed and needs deliverance, right? What's the evidence of Jesus present? It's the, it's the, it's the water you drink. Right? So what are you drinking, church? You drinking the living water? Amen. So you have dreams going. Anybody here have dreams in the last year messing you up? Come on. Who, who here has, has had dreams and visions that have messed you up in the last six to 12 months? 
okay? It's confronting your fears, confronting what people have said about you, things that, yeah, you don't have the ability to do it. Yeah, your leaders or whoever didn't think you could do it, but that doesn't matter. If the Lord drops the vision in your heart, guess what? He's waiting for somebody to actually dig in the middle of the desert till water springs up and the supernatural bursts forth and out of a barren place, right? The supernatural birthing of something happens. Amen? You ready to birth something? (laughs) You see, here's the deal. The real you, people in here are at different stages of their walk with Christ, okay? Has the real you been fully unveiled? Are you 5%? Are you 20%? Are you 50%? Has the real you been fully unveiled to the world? Because here's the deal. You're born into this world with a basic question. What What am I? What's my purpose? What's my assignment? What is my mission? What gives me life? Right? Everybody, that's, that's the number one question people have. And so Romans 8, 19, it says this, For the earnest expectation of the creation eagerly waits for the revealing of the sons of God. The word unveiled has two aspects to it. The first part of the word unveiled is the Greek word klepto. It means to have something stolen something covered up okay the other part of the word unveiled is the word apocalypto it actually means the unveiling the word revelation in the book of revelation is the word apocalypto it means to unveil heaven right it has to unveil your scroll and so the revealing of the sons of god is connected to removing what the enemy draped over you falsely identified and and stole from you falsely um said you're this this and this you can't do that you're going to be depressed all your life all all these things right but in addition to removing what was stolen is a revealing of what you are and what you are is is deeply connected to the prophetic unveiling of you right That's your scroll. That's the seven seals that need removed from your scroll. Okay? And there's a demonic assignment to keep you deaf, dumb, and blind spiritually to what you are. Okay? Ephesians 6.12, right? Paul's talking about we do not war against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and rulers of darkness, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in high places. The word ruling spirit there, the the word ruling is the word... Cosmo, um, I better pronounce this right. Um, Cosmo Krateros, okay? Don't ask me to do that again, but the word cosmos is obvious. It's the, it means the world, cosmos. It means the world around you. Kratio is the, is, um, means the power of words, okay? So what the Lord is saying is a rolling spirit works to form your word, your world by words. So many of you who have familiar spirits, and many of you who have had demonic things that you've had to deal with in life, depression, anxiety, fear, all these limitations, it's not, not, it's not just a fear. It actually is deeper than just feeling a fear. Because that fear will actually define you. It will define 
and steal what you really are. It will keep you from becoming what you really are. Its intent is to whisper lies into your head and form your world for you. And the Lord says, the reason my voice is entering this world, is entering your life in dreams and visions and prophecy, is I am the one who reveals what you really are. I am the one who breaks the lie of what the ruling spirit built in this lie of their cosmos and said, I am speaking into your life and redefining for you, this is your world. This is who you are in this world. Amen. You cannot live without the voice of God. You cannot, you have entire denominations that try to come to church and read Bibles and think that somehow they know Christ. If he's not speaking, he's not present. If prophecy, dreams, and visions aren't the central theme of who you are, then you miss the point. Because he said, I am with you, I will speak to you. You and me together are going to rock the world, baby. You're going to rock the world because you're important and I care about you. I have a plan for your life. That's what he said, right? So why would you listen to a guy that stands in a pulpit and says, I just need you to do this physical labor? Physical labor and helping the organization. And you can ask Stephen Tabby, right? It's important, right? You can't do the whole thing without that. So we need people to help. But everybody in here you're not here just to put money in a tithe bucket. That's not your role. There's no such thing as a giver. Okay? Everybody gives. You're supposed to actually give your life, not just money. Jesus says, I don't want 10%. I want your whole heart. I don't want you to just put 10 in and, and feel good because you, 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 met the, you met the quota. I put my 10 in and I feel unguilty. I'm not guilty anymore. No, no, you're supposed to give your life. 10% or whatever, how much money or whatever the Lord leads you to give. Here's the question. Jesus, and Jesus asked this question. He actually made a statement. Whoever desires to save his life will lose it. Whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Have you found your life? Have you really found your life? Have you really given up? All the junk, all the lies that said you can't, you will not, you'll never achieve. And have you found the one who has spoken into your life and says, I'm sending you here. You're going to write this book. You're going to go and speak to this pastor. You're going to go build a children's organization. You're going to go do this. I'm giving you purpose. I'm opening your scroll. Have you given your life? I'm describing for you a supernatural life. Where are you at? 10%? All in? Where are you at in, in, this, in, the, in the pendulum? Are you all in? I go to a lot of churches. I go to, I've, I've preached in the last two years. I've, pro I've probably preached in 40, 50 different churches. <clears throat> and the theme that I hear in spirit-filled churches is stagnation. They get baptized in the Holy Spirit. They pray in tongues. But because they don't know that there's a calling on their life, because they don't know that their prayer life is the most important element of who they are in Christ, they look to their pastors and say, why are we not doing this? Why are we not doing that? Why are we stagnant? Why don't I feel this? I don't know. What has the Lord spoken to you that you haven't released out of your mouth? Do you have a vision? Do you have a vision, church? 
There are only two people out of 60 or how many people go here, right? There should be at least 60 visions. Good. 60. Because if you don't have a vision you're in right now, what are you drinking? By default, you're drinking their water. I'm being serious tonight. What are you doing? What have you given? Right? It's a, he's going to ask you that question. He said these words, whoever desires to save his life will what? Lose it. Whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. And it's connected to your prayer life of hearing and obeying. And the more you obey the simple thing that he commands you in your prayer life, the more it flows, man. I'm here to tell you, the more it flows. You can't be stopped. Amen? You guys okay? Let me get back on my point. So this cosmocratio, right? This, this ruling spirit, it's actually designed to keep you deaf, dumb, and blind, right? Some of you are sealed by a generational curse. Some of you are sealed by religious doctrines and thoughts about routines and what you learned that you think is living that's actually not living. Okay, I spent the last 40 minutes talking about what's living, and that's the Lord's voice. And if you don't hear in his voice, we got a problem. But if, you're, but if you're making yourself feel good because of religious routines, we're missing it. we got to get those seals off, right? You see, some are sealed with performance. you got to work harder than the next guy. you got to say 20 more Hail Marys. you got to go to your priest and take a book, uh, Eucharist every day of the week, right? Light 20 candles and say 20 Hail Marys and off you go and you're good. That, that, that's religious bondage. You see, some, some are sealed um, <clears throat> by, by a spirit of fear and the fear of man. You, some of you have had the vision, and you're waiting for some guy to give you a green light. And the Lord says, did I not say, did I not tell you, why are you not moving? Why have you not acted on my vision? You see, in 2015, the Lord started speaking to me about India. I had a, I had a series of three, four long dreams. And, and um, <clears throat> right after that, I get this call from a man from India. You know what I could have said? You know, I, I could have said this. You know, I've only been in front of 700 people in this little church I'm in in Parkersburg, West Virginia. Um, I don't think I can do a 5,000 man. I'm not ready for that. I, I don't think I can do that. But that's not what I did. Because the Lord said a man's going to call you in my dream. As soon as he called, guess what? I bought that plane ticket and I'm standing in front of thousands of people baptizing pastors in the Holy Ghost. Right? You're not ready when you think everybody around you says you're ready. You're ready when the Lord speaks to you and says you're ready. Do it. Don't doubt me. Right? Don't doubt me. Do it. He means do it. Are you ready to drop your water pot? <laughs> Come on, man. Are you working for DeSanti and not drinking the water? She was drinking water, but it wasn't the right water. She was pulling water out of the well, and she kept going and trying to find another husband. You get in the picture? Have you dropped your water pot? Have you dropped your excuse and simply said, I don't care if I fail. 
right? Failure is a, is a, is a real thing. Oh, I don't know, Lord. I, I'll look bad. There's only going to be three people. Can I tell you how many times the Lord sent me to one person? Do you think one person's important? Then why don't you say yes to that one? Because that one is important. If you're important, the one he's sending you to is just as important. Amen? But my point is this. Do not hesitate. Do not hesitate with what he has spoken to you. Do not hesitate with what he's spoken to you. I believe there's a grace in here tonight to restore dreams and visions and prophecies that have been spoken to people that you actually let lay dormant on a shelf. You actually actually aren't haven't acted on them because you don't think it's the right time or you're waiting for somebody else to actually make the way for you. And the Lord says this, I put water in desert places. You ever hear this scripture? Isaiah 54, 1, sing, O barren. Sing, O barren, you who have not born. Break forth into singing and cry aloud. You who have not labored with child. For more are the children of the desolate than the children of the married woman. My God, do you really believe that more are the children of the, of the desolate woman than those who are married? See, if you don't have nothing right now, you didn't have a ministry, you don't have nothing. If you have a prophecy, you have more than the married woman. If you go into your desert and you bring it to, bring it forth in birthing, take some guts to birth something with the Holy Ghost. It takes some guts to take risk. It takes some guts to say there's nothing that exists but a vision. And you said, Lord, that there is more in me in the vision than exists with, with a church of a thousand people. Right? The, mar the married one, the one that appears to have a lot. The Lord is saying, I will birth more out of the desolate. I will burst something out of you in your desert place. Can you hear me, church? I will burst something new out of your desert place. Your desert is not your problem. Your perspective of why you're in the desert is your problem. I will not stop praying. I will not stop prophesying. I will not stop until it comes forth. You said this is what I am, Lord, and I will not stop until it comes. You're an army. You, this, this church is an army. If, you, if everyone in here says, I will not stop until this vision comes forth, guess what? You just turned yourself into an army. Amen? <clears throat> I was in uh, Muskoka, Canada a few months ago, and uh, I was preaching. It was a wild night, and uh, there's this young kid young 20, 21, 22 year old kid sitting in the audience. And, uh, I was feeling frisky that night and, uh, I called, I called the kid up. I pu I pulled him up out of his seat and I didn't know this. Um, but after the fact, I found out that some of their, some of his friends, uh, pulled this young man. He was a Baptist and, uh, he never saw a demon cast out of anybody. He never saw anybody praying tongues, never saw any of that. So he was there kind of 
to mock the situation. And I didn't know that. I found out after the fact. But I'm, I'm preaching, man. I'm going through, I'm going through, you know, everything. And the next thing, I see this light shining on this kid. And I walk back. I grabbed him up. I pulled him up. And I start prophesying over this kid, okay? This kid falls down to the ground. He's shaking. He's crying. He gets up. He starts praying in tongues. The next thing you know, I lay my hand on him. He falls down. He starts throwing up demons. He's, they're, they're bringing buckets up. And this kid is in front of the church for an hour. I said, let him go. And he's, he's up there. Ugh, he's throwing up. Well, wait, we don't do that in church. We take them. We take that guy back to the back. No, that was part of the message. That was part of Jesus present. And so this, this kid, I'm pre, I kept preaching, man. I'm preaching. I'm prophesying over people. And this kid's up there. He's the, every 10 minutes, the, a wave of the Holy Ghost would come on this kid. And he's, ah, he's crying. Demons are coming out of this kid. He's throwing up in a bucket. Okay. The Lord made a spectacle out of him. It literally made a spectacle out of this kid. Guess what happened? The next night, I called that kid up beside me, and we called every one of his friends up, and every one of his friends that that kid laid a hand on, they fell to the ground, and he was casting demons out of his friends. Right? He was casting demons out of his friends in front of the church. Can a woman get pregnant in one night? You can get pregnant with your vision in one night. Prophecy, dreams, and visions are an impregnation of your spirit. It literally is birthing something inside of you. That's what prophecy means, okay? Prophecy, the word prophecy has two parts. It's actually pro, right, the insertion. But uh, the other part of the word prophecy is actually the word sperma. I didn't make that up. It's the word, it's the word sperma. The Greek word actually means to impregnate. Woo! It actually means that you have the power in you whenever you're prophesying over a dead man that that dead man will raise up to life or that demoniac will have demons driven out of them because you start prophesying and the sperma creating life is coming out of you because you're a believer, because you walk with the most dominant force in the world called Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Starting to get sweaty up here. Don't tell me a woman can't get pregnant in one night. Right, Shelly? <laughs> it all depends on what you drink, baby. It all depends on what you drink. And I really think the Lord wants to intoxicate some people in here tonight. There's people in dry places that you're not supposed to be dry. It may feel dry. It may be like, when's this ever going to stop? When's this ever going to change? You know when? When you get so intoxicated that the world around you can't contain you. When, the world, when you get so intoxicated that the world around you can't contain and stop you, guess what? The world is at your mercy. The world is at your mercy. The darkness can't stop the light. Amen. The darkness can't stop it. It has no answer for somebody who's literally immersed in the Holy Spirit. You see, you can come in and get good worship. You can enter in on Sunday. You can even come on, on, on uh, intercession day. But the question is, is there such an immersion in your life that you bump into people in Kmart or Walmart? Kmart doesn't exist anymore, right? 
Walmart. I'm showing my age a little bit. But when you bump into somebody, they get water. They get living water tipped on them. Did you ever get somebody drunk in the spirit in the middle of Walmart? Huh? Why not? Why not? <laughs> you guys ever hear the term berserk? The word, the word berserk comes from a, a Viking. There's, there's a story about the Vikings in, uh, in Europe. Um, the small group of Vikings were surrounded. They were out surrounded like 50 to 1, and an, an ungodly number, they were, they were outnumbered, okay? And uh, what they did was they went and gathered up these, uh, these mushrooms, these wild mushrooms. I think they're called Moscato mushrooms or something. You know, the ones that have the acid in them, all, the, all, all that stuff, right? They went and gathered up all these mushrooms because they knew they were, either go they were probably going to die. And so if they were going to die, they were going to go out intoxicated. Okay? I'm, stay with me. I'm, I'm going somewhere, somewhere with this. Okay? And so they gather all these mushrooms, and uh, they, they, they put these mushrooms in a big pot, and they make this soup, this water that's laden with these mushrooms that has this ability uh, to, to cause them to hallucinate. Right? Anybody ever have a dream or a vision? And people look at you like you were hallucinating, <laughs> like you're off your rocker, like you're crazy. That does, that's not possible. You're not going to be a preacher. You're not going to be a children's minister. You're not going to be this and that. You're hallucinating. But you know what? These Vikings, so these, these Vikings, they're, they're, they're pounding this soup, man. They're getting so whacked out with these, these, this mushroom-laden soup that um, they literally the next morning at daybreak, whenever the enemy army came against them, all the Vikings had their clothes stripped off and they ran out in the battlefield with their sword and they literally annihilated the army because all of the fear that would inhibit an average man, there was no fear. And they literally annihilated the army that came against them. And they were known in the Viking world as berserkers. And so, the, and so the Vikings, it became normal on the nights of battle to start drinking mushroom soup. Are there any Holy Ghost berserkers in here? Because, <laughs> because here's the deal. You may think I'm off my rocker, but the correlation is uncanny. You see, they're in the upper room praying. You might have heard of this story. They're in the upper room praying. The Holy Ghost comes on them and they start to pray in tongues, right? They start praying in tongues. The next thing that happens, what happens? What, what does the Lord promise you when you pray in tongues? It's, he says that your, your prayer, your, when you pray in tongues, you're crying out to me and I will relate to you. I will not be able to resist you. I will what? Give you visions and dreams. Why, why did the Holy Spirit, when he came on them in the upper room, why was the first thing they did was, did he give them tongues? So that they could be in spiritual relationship and prophecy would one day flow out of their mouth. So they, they, they pray in tongues. They start having visions and they start prophesying, right? You can't prophesy without it. You, you, so, so you are in relationship and you start prophesying what the Lord is showing you. Okay? And then what happened? They just stayed in the upper room. They locked all the doors in the church and they just stayed there. 
They just, they, they just gotten, they, they, they got vision and they kept the door shut and stayed there. No, that's not what happened. They actually got so intoxicated, they prayed in tongues, they started to prophesy the vision, and as it came out of their mouth, they literally, it says, they poured out into the street drunk. They were intoxicated with the Lord's vision. They were literally drinking the water to a point where it wasn't just like, oh yeah, I got that back in 2008, and I can pray in tongues when I want, but I'm good. No. No, the point is, you pray in tongues and you start to get his vision. And when you start to get his vision, you don't stop speaking what he is showing you in the vision. What you, what you actually release in your prayer life is actually what comes forth out in the world. Okay? So you, you begin to speak what is, what the Lord has put on your heart, his vision in your life. And guess what? You start to get intoxicated. You start to actually believe it. You actually start to get hallucinating like, oh my God, this can happen. Like, you're going to war, right? Any, anybody get the revelation why Peter stood up and said, oh my gosh, this is that. This is what was prophesied in the book of Jewel, right? He didn't do that until he had to explain why they were intoxicated. Just because you pray in tongues and just because you can prophesy doesn't mean you've connected in your thirst. There's a lot of people that pray in tongues. There's a lot of people that can prophesy out of a gift, and that's a cool thing. But the point of prophecy in your own walk is that you are relating with him and you actually become one with the vision. You actually step into faith. Do you ever feel faith enter a room? Like literally faith comes in a room and it's like, boom. It's like an impartation. It's like, whoo, what in the world was that? That was your intoxication to go onto that battlefield naked with the sword and nothing but the sword. You get the picture? You get literally intoxicated with, with the vision of God to where you walk out on the street and you start being public with the vision. They weren't just prophesying in the church. They believed it so much that they walked out into the street and they started to release the vision of the Lord on the street. They were absolutely believers. They were intoxicated. <clears throat> you guys good? Anybody need um, to get intoxicated? <laughs> you see, there's a whole lot of theologies that says, yeah, I'll accept tongues. I'll even accept getting, casting out a demon. But this whole laughter, like this whole... Like, what do you mean intoxicated? I don't get it. I'm, I am in control of my mind. I am in control of my thoughts. I am in control of what I'm doing. I'm in control, and I'm going to... Yeah, you're, if you're in control, then that's why you're still barren. So intoxication, I don't really believe... If it wasn't important, the Lord wouldn't have put it into the whole story of the book of Acts. Can you picture Paul going fearless? You know how intoxicated you got to be to walk into dark places? You know how intoxicated with believing God that it's real, that you are on a mission, you are on assignment, you're walking with God? If you're not intoxicated, you're never going to be sent. Okay? 
I was in India, um, I think it was 2017, and... Um, we had done like three nights of crusades, and they said, they said, we're going to pick you up tonight. And um, we got this small group, like 800 people in this one village. It's kind of unique. Just get ready. We'll pick you up 7 o'clock. We'll pick you up tonight, all right? So I get dressed, got my suit on, walk downstairs. I get in the car, and we start driving. Something doesn't feel right, okay? We're driving, 15 minutes go by, and I finally, I, I tap my, my interpreter. I said, where are we going? And he starts to giggle. I said, what, what's so funny? What, where, where are we going? He goes, uh, this place we're going is special. He goes, we told them you do magic tricks. <clears throat> I said, I said, what are you talking about? Because the Holy Spirit, like, I, I know something's not right, okay? I said, what do you mean magic tricks? He goes, well, he goes, this village is a unique form of Hinduism. They worship the serpent. They worship the, the serpent God. And he says they hate Christians. He says they burn Christians alive. I said, why are we going there? <laughs> and this guy had been with me for a few years at this point. So he knew some of the things I did. And I was always telling him, you speak what I say. You don't sugarcoat it. Because in India, you're not allowed to say anything about any other God. And when I stand up there and say, there's only one God, Jesus Christ, he sits there, he's like, oh, because they can come arrest you, okay? And he's looking around, I said, say it! But anyway, he knows, well, when, I, when I'm preaching, you better say what I'm saying, okay? And so he had seen faith, right? He had experienced faith. And so the, and then he, he set this up because he's like, we can do that. He, he, had more, he had more faith for this situation than me. He's like, we can do that. And so we're driving, okay? Dude, he was like, we can do anything. So we're driving along. I'm like, what do you mean magic tricks? He goes, and he's, you know, he's talking to me about this. They worship the snake god, and yeah, they burn Christians. And we get to the point where um, I said, well, what do you, like, this isn't regular, right? I said, you're not going to introduce me, and I'm not just going to start preaching. He goes, no. He goes, but I, I thought you'd figure it out. And dude, we're, we're, we're driving, right? And I have no idea. I'm, and I, <laughs> I'm sitting there and, uh, I'm, I, I just, sh I shut down. I'm like, oh, this is the real deal. This is the real deal. So I put my head back and I'm debating. Do I just say, hey, we're just turn this car around and go back? I'm, I'm actually thinking these thoughts, right? And so I'm sitting there. I put my head back and all of, all of a sudden the Lord shows up. And he shows me the front row. He shows me the second row back. Girl, young girl, um, uh, the, the second chair in, second row. Blue polka dot dress. I'm sitting there. I'm like, all right, Lord. And he starts, he starts talking to me about the girl in the polka dot dress. Okay. And so I don't know exactly what's going to happen, but I know the Lord is ready to pick a fight. Okay. And I, I'm just like, Let's do it. I, what, what, I mean, I'm not, if my interpreter believes and you just showed me this vision, I'm in it. Okay. And so we get there, we pull in, uh, they take me up and we're, we're sitting on this stage and I don't know what my interpreter is saying because he's speaking in Hindi. Okay. And, uh, I'm looking and all of a sudden I look out in the crowd, second row, uh, number two chair 
is a girl in a blue polka dot dress. And I'm sitting there going, oh my gosh. I'm like, I, I literally have no idea what I'm going to say. Okay. And I, I don't know how long he's going to talk and introduce me. So finally he gets to the point. They clap. He turns around and he hands me the mic and he's standing there beside me. And he's laughing. <laughs> he's literally <laughs> chuckling. He's chuckling. And I'm, I'm like, um, I said, I, I need a helper. And he's, he interprets, I need a helper. And he says, I said, can I, can I use you? So we bring the girl in the polka dot dress up, okay? And I'm standing there, and all I did was put my hand on her head, okay? I didn't even pray. I put my hand on her head. She falls to the ground. She's laying there, and I don't know if you've ever seen this. I mean, I know a lot of you, when you receive the Holy Spirit, people fall. You know, some, you know, there's different feelings. But this was a situation. She fell to the ground, and she's lifeless. She's literally laying there, and she's not moving. And the mother stands up, and she's, da, 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 da. she starts screaming at me. She thought I killed her kid. And she, she's, she's grabbing her arm, and she's jerking her arm, okay? She, she's, and, and men are like trying to get her to, like she was literally yanking her arm out of socket. All right? And um, my, my interpreter, my interpreter is trying to get her to calm down. And finally, she sits down, and she'd watch for 30 seconds, and she'd look at me, and she, she, she'd be... And I started preaching about Christ. I don't know where this came from. There was something that came up out of me. Because when I saw that sign, right? When I saw that sign that Christ was present, he was going to do something natural. I said, it's all in, baby. And I started to preach about Christ. And dude, 10 minutes went by. And I'm like fire, man, fire. And, and my interpreter's right beside me. Jesus is real. And, and the next thing you know, this girl sits up. And she's, she's drunk, man. She, she, she's, she's going like this and she's, her eyes are all over the place. And, um, my interpreter grabs her and he starts asking her questions. And, uh, out of her mouth, she says, I just met Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ is real. And everybody in the audience stood up and, and they're, they're asking questions and she's like, she's describing him. She's, talking about their conversation. They're, she's talking about the angels and everything she saw in heaven. And I kid you not, they came forward and renounced their God and gave their life to Christ. The room. The room. Polka dot dress, baby. Don't you tell me that one vision can't shake a nation. Don't you tell me that one vision can't shake a city, can't shake a church, can't shake Walmart. All you need is one vision and a, and a faith, a faith to say, Lord, you have intoxicated me. You said that, that if I let you see it, I'll do it. Do you realize that if he shows you the vision, that he'll do it? When the Lord came to Jeremiah, Jeremiah chapter one, he says, Jeremiah, what do you see? As he, when he called him as a prophet, I'm going to put my words in your mouth. You're going to root up, tear down, and destroy demonic kingdoms. You're going to build and plant my kingdom. You're going to uproot the enemy. I'm going to send you to war and uproot the enemy. I'm going to establish my kingdom. And, 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 then, and then the Lord says, this is how we're going to do it. What do you see? And Jeremiah says, I see an almond branch. And he starts to describe the almond branch. And the Lord says, well, have you seen for I will execute what I let you see. All you have to do is get the vision. 
All you have to do is get the vision and be drinking the water of the Holy Ghost that will fuel you to literally act like a berserker, willing to run into battle, not being afraid, acting like a mere average man, but to walk in the power of the Holy Spirit and say, Lord, I will live and die with you. I will walk into villages that crucify and execute Christians because you showed me a vision. Are you kidding me? I believe the Lord is, is going to resurrect some faith in here tonight, okay? I believe there's people in here that you, you've had visions, you've had dreams, you've actually, you know, put them aside. People around you didn't think that was real on you because they still see you as that guy that came in here 10 years ago. They still see you as that broken person 10 years ago. Okay, so I believe that faith is going to reinvigorate some visions. And I believe there's going to be people get visions in here that's going to take them in a path that's going to pull this thing together in a, in a new, unique way. Amen? I have to believe that. I cannot accept stagnation. I cannot accept the desert. I can't accept it. I don't, I don't have time. I can't do it. I can't let myself can't let myself and I'm not perfect I mean Shelly and I can tell you we go back and forth on things but I have to I have to I have to dig I have to find the water I have to pull it out and 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 expect when it doesn't look like it's even possible but if he gave you the vision amen so let's do this I want to pray <clears throat> can we get uh, can we get some keyboard Father, you are the one who grants living water. Come on, Lord, you're the one who said that you will cause deserts to bloom, that they would blossom as a rose and rejoice. You said, Lord, that you would awaken people to strengthen the weak hands and confirm the feeble knees. You said, Lord, that men intoxicated in the Holy Ghost would walk into desert places and take revenge on the enemy that the God of vengeance would show up and take vengeance on the enemies of God, upon the enemies that blind the, the hearts of men, upon the ruling spirits that have falsely formed worlds that conform men to fear and powerlessness and dead religion. Lord, you said, Lord, that you would pour out your spirit and break the back of the serpent. You said that its head would be crushed. And I believe, Lord, that its head is crushed. And so the only weapon the enemy has is deception. I break the lies that have been spoken over people that said you're desolate, you're barren, you'll never achieve, you won't overcome, you'll be stagnant in the very place that you stand. I decree the word of the Lord that more are the sons of the barren woman than the woman who is married. In the name of Jesus, Lord, I awaken the grace of relationship. I awaken, Lord, and open the door to the throne room. Lord, for every person who's never encountered you face to face in the throne room. Lord, I decree that the words that John heard will be heard by every person in this room over the next six months. I decree that the door of heaven is open and your heart right now is being 
beckoned by the Holy Spirit, hearing the words, come up here, come up here, for I have many things to tell you. Come up here, for I have a purpose and a plan for your life. Come up here and I will cause you to live. I will cause you to overcome. I will cause you to be in purpose. I will cause you. No more religion. No more doing the normal and the mundane. But Lord, right now, Lord, we just awaken. Lord, we quicken every, every dream that's been put in the shelf. Lord, we even quicken the hearts that felt dry. Right now, we quicken the hearts that felt like, why? That we're just going through it. When's it going to change? Lord, we just quicken the heart right now to believe, to be bound in the faith of Christ, to be bound in the expectation of not just overcoming, but invading and dominating landscapes. Father, in the name of Jesus, every person who gave up something, who literally just said, well, I'll settle for this. I break that lie off of you now in the name of Jesus. My sons and daughters don't settle. My sons and daughters don't just fit. My sons and daughters are the square peg in a round hole that makes the round hole conform to the peg and not vice versa. In the name of Jesus, you are the world changers. You are the former. You are the, the formers of the world. You are the ones who pour out the Spirit of God. You are the ones who walk in the vision and the power of the Holy Spirit. So Father, in Jesus' name, I pray for every person, Lord, that there would be a, a reignition of faith, a reignition of faith. I break fear and unbelief. I command fear and unbelief to leave the hearts of men in this room right now in Jesus' name. I break the power of fear. I say you are not afraid. You are powerful in Christ. And the words of Joshua, the word of the Lord that came to Joshua will be heard in your heart. I am with you. Everywhere the sole of your foot treads, I am with you. Do not fear. Take the land. Take the land. Take the land. In the name of Jesus, Lord, let the water Water. Lord, let the, let the living water flow. Come on right now, Lord, let the living water flow into every heart. Lord, let it flow into every heart right now in the name of Jesus. Come on, Holy Ghost. Come on, fresh fire. Come on, Lord, let the water of the Holy Ghost be made known right now in Jesus' name.